0: Hey, welcome to What's the Tea, the Translink podcast. My name is John Jang, and on this episode, we'll learn all about the tangible and intangible ways we're secretly guiding you on your transit journey. It's Wayfinding 101, so let's tap in to What's the Tea.
1: The next station is Welcome to What's the Tea, the Translink podcast.
0: Every transit journey boils down to a simple formula. You need to get from point A to point B in a convenient and timely manner. Arriving at your destination is the end game, the ultimate goal every single time you embark on your trip. But what if I told you that this simple formula is secretly very complex as your brain processes an incredible amount of information to make the best choices possible in order for you to arrive at your destination on time. Those split second decisions during your trip is aided by what we call wayfinding. Let me explain it this way. Before you head out the door on your trip, you know the basic game plan. You probably have an idea which bus route you need to get on or which skytrain station you need to get to. Wayfinding is the system, or really an art, of ensuring you know exactly where you are and exactly where you need to go next. It's the northern star of every transit journey guiding you along whether you realize it or not. And to help explain wayfinding in more detail, we're sitting down with Jada Stevens, Senior Advisor of In System Customer Experience and Wayfinding at TransLink. Jada, let's kind of start from the very beginning wayfinding. It's a word. What does it actually mean? Just Describe it and define it for us, uh, especially in the context of public transportation.
1: Now, you say it's a word, but if you look it up in the dictionary, I don't think it's actually in there. Oh, interesting. And it's my job title. So sometimes, (laughs) sometimes I think deeply about that. But anyways, (laughs) wayfinding is essentially um, the art and science and psychology of navigation and finding your way in a built environment or in a, in a natural environment. So um, with wayfinding, it might be something you don't realize you're actually doing, but it's something that we do all the time as we travel through space. I'm gonna give an example of a grocery store mm-hmm. because that's something we're all familiar with. If you're looking for rice, when you enter the store, you know intuitively to look at those signs that are above those aisles. Mm-hmm. And so that is a tactic that the grocery store put there to ensure that you can find rice. Uh, You might ask somebody where the rice is, Mm. and that's another wayfinding tactic. You might actually just walk up and down the aisles randomly looking for rice. But that is you, once again, practicing wayfinding to find the rice. So there's a lot of things that people do to travel from point A to point B. Um, But then there's also the flip side of that. You know, if wayfinding is in my job title, what exactly am I doing? I'm not telling people where to find the rice. But my job is to ensure that those tactics are in place for you. So, or sorry, that those tools are in place for you. So the signage is there when you need it. If you're trying to find a, a bus stop, we have to ensure that those bus stops are are recognizable and consistent, and that the information has exactly what we need to have at a bus stop. Uh, We plan the same thing for in SkyTrain stations. Um, You know, we'll let you know what platform is coming up. Um, We'll we'll direct you to the exits. All of this is deliberately planned so that as you travel through the station, you don't get lost, Mm. uh, you don't get stressed out, and you can easily navigate, you know, without a smartphone, without asking for directions, and you know travel on your way so that's kind of what wayfinding is it's what you do as a customer and then it's what i do every day is ensuring that those kind of tools and tactics are in place for you
0: i love that it's like almost subliminal in some ways right like because you kind of get used to it grocery store layouts are designed pretty consistent whether it's you know a certain chain or you know a different one like you walk into a grocery store you kind of know what to expect visually yeah
1: that's true i mean it the grocery stores, uh, shopping malls, airports, parking lots, they all have wayfinding integrated into those spaces so you can find your way through it, in and out of it, or onto any services or amenities they might have. So um, people like myself might, might work f- in planning those strategies for those large built environments, and obviously TransLink because we have a large region and we have a, a a large um, subset of customers who are traveling through this region and needing information, we have a team here mm-hmm. that that ensures that all the wayfinding tools are in place for you.
0: So, when we're talking about like building wayfinding, what are some of the the key principles that you would try and follow if if this is a practice, for example?
1: So, one that's really key for wayfinding is called progressive disclosure, and how I like to explain that is. First, you don't want to give too much information to somebody all at once because they might forget it, it might stress them out, um, they might confuse it with something else. And so progressive disclosure in terms of navigation and wayfinding Mm. is to present just the right amount of information where you need it and nothing else. Mm. So as an example... Let's say you're at a SkyTrain station that has two exits, one is Dunsmere Street, one is Granville Street. When you're at the platform, we will direct you towards the exit. Mm. And we won't differentiate between Granville and, and Dunsmere Street yet, because you're traveling through the tunnel, uh, you're walking down, you know, the, the pathway. And you're just traveling towards the exit. We don't let you know um, about the Granville Street or the Dunsmere Street exit until you get to that point in your journey where you need to decide, mm-hmm. do I turn right or do I turn left? Left might be the Dunsmere Street exit. So that is where we will then have a sign that will differentiate turn right uh, for Granville and turn left for Dunsmere. So it's always ensuring just... The right amount of information where you need it and not overloading it, right?
0: I kind of understand that, too, because if you are like just I keep going back to the grocery store uh, example, but it's a good one. I think it's very relatable for people, right? Um, If you had like all these like 15 signs as soon as you walk into the grocery store, like this is where you got to go. This is where you got to go. At some point, you're just like, "I, I actually don't know where I'm supposed to go. There's too much chaos because... I think that's just maybe the reality of human nature. Like we we do get overstimulated. We get overloaded with information. So I love the fact that we're trying to find the right balance.
1: That's right. Yes, you need to know, you know, where the cash registers are, but perhaps not when you're at the back of the store, mm. right? You need, you need to understand that you need to travel to the store towards the front, and then obviously the information will be there to serve you, right? So you always need to have kind of um, – only a limited amount of information, Hmm. you'll recognize it, it will help you inform a decision where you are. And if you have to uh, make a decision on your journey, you know, 50 meters down um, the road, there will be perhaps another sign to kind of guide you and uh, to influence you in your decision-making.
0: It's one of those things where if there's poor wayfinding, People notice. But when there's excellent wayfinding, it goes like very under the radar. And I think that's speaks volumes about the work and how important it really is because good wayfinding has to be subtle almost. So how do you define wayfinding and and like the, the ideal version of it?
1: Well, ideal wayfinding, you're right. It should be something that you don't really notice. Mm. It's something that complements your day, but doesn't add any extra stress mm. or cognitive um, pressure for you to experience um as you travel through a space. Um so ideally good wayfinding would be consistent, something you can trust, um, it would be something that you can understand very quickly at mm-hmm. a glance, and it helps you make very quick decisions without even really thinking. So that's what I would say um is the baseline for good good wayfinding.
0: And I think that's such a crucial part because, I mean, public transportation, if you live in this region and you take the same routes every day, you kind of learn over time like where you need to go. It's just, you know, it's human nature. You kind of do this like mental map um, as you like head out the door and you're on your way to work or school, whatever it may be. But if you're somebody visiting from out of town, you've never been to Vancouver before and you're relying on the public transportation system. Wayfinding is so important. It's a critical part of how you're going to get around and explore the beautiful places around Metro Vancouver. So how do you balance like trying to make sure that it's not like overly aggressive for the people that take the system all the time, but also it is there and it's very obvious and easy to find and access for people who might not have ever been in Metro Vancouver before.
1: Well, you're right. That's the challenge is that you have to make wayfinding accessible and usable for everybody. And we aren't all equal. Mm. So, um, you know, there are folks that live, have lived here, used our chantis system for, you know, years or decades. And they have a mental, a cognitive map of of where they're traveling to. And they need very few um, wayfinding cues Mm. to serve them as they travel through the region. Uh, But folks who are visiting, you have to consider... um, Whether or not they speak English, um, what kind of tools they might bring with them. Do they have a phone? Do they have a map? Um, Are they traveling with somebody who might be somewhat familiar or have they been given directions and they're kind of following kind of those directions? Um, If they don't speak English, how do you serve them? Right. Right, right. So um, in in wayfinding, um, you have to apply a lot of tactics Mm. to kind of... um, Solve all of those all those issues, and and we do that by um, using you know color or icons or um, repetitive kind of language mm. um, that you know should be intuitive to folks when they see it. Right. Uh, we have icons that represent SkyTrain, one for bus, one for bus. Uh, we have a very um, recognizable kind of brand for mm-hmm. wayfinding, so that. Um, if you become familiar with a bus stop in Langley, you'll be able to find a bus stop in Vancouver as they look the same. Mm. Um, so it's it's those kind of um, simple, quick, almost visual cues that we plan. Um, so that people can recognize the transit network. Our job is to ensure that we have put in place a very simple, recognizable kind of iconography and and visual cues Mm. so that you um, understand the transit network um, or that you can easily find the transit network as you're traveling through it.
0: Uh, And I think that is... Uh, very true from my personal experience. I, I, I was born in Seoul, South Korea. And the thing about Seoul is that uh, they have so many different bus companies, like so many. And they're all different colored buses. But some buses that are different colored will still serve the same route. It becomes like this logistics nightmare because I actually do not uh, read Korean. So I'm trying my best to like have this Keringlish conversation with somebody who might be might be able to help me out. Um, But they're just like, yeah, just go by the color. I'm like, I I have no idea which color leads me to where I need to go. So I'm glad that TransLink, you know, here is Coast Mountain, uh, our partners at BCRTC. Like there's consistency from station to station, from vehicle to vehicle. So, yeah, like if to your point, you get on a bus in Vancouver, you know how to do it. And when you get to places like surrey langley uh, other parts of metro vancouver those are the visual cues but to your point um you know those with disabilities uh we have to try and make the system as accessible as possible so there's got to be other things beyond just visual because not everyone is able to see
1: well that's absolutely true we have um, a lot of our customers have all all sorts of uh, disabilities we have uh, folks with visual disabilities cognitive disabilities hearing loss physical disabilities and we have to serve them all and we have to ensure that information is accessible to Mm -hmm. them. Um, So some uh, wayfinding tools or tactics that we deploy are um, audio announcements um, as a a, let's uh, say you're in a train and you hear um, the next station chime and announcement that's to you know serve those folks who maybe uh, can't see and they're not seeing the map or they can't see their location, but they can they can hear and, and recognize um, through the chime that we've arrived at a station. The next station is Sapperton. Doors will open on the right. Train to Production Way, University. 8. Waterfront Station. Next stop, Gord Way and BCIT. We have uh, Braille signage. Mm -hmm. You'll see this at uh, bus stops all over our region. Uh, We've got Braille and tactile signage that communicates to customers uh, the the bus stop number, um, other crucial information such as the bus routes that stop there, and um, the TransLink uh, uh, phone number if they need to contact customer information for more assistance. Um, you'll see uh, at uh, SkyTrain stations and at bus stops, we'll have tactile surfaces mm. um, on the ground. Predominantly, you'll see walking paths um, so that you can kind of trail a path with your cane and find an elevator or an exit or a platform, um, you know, if, if you're not able to, to visually see where you're going. Right. So it's really important that we include that as well. Um, and, the, and then, also, we pay attention to nuances such as um, color blindness, so we may present something for those who are able to see things, but perhaps they can 't see the difference in color. Mm. A lot of our the icons that we use on a, on our wayfinding signage and on our maps and things like that have been tested to ensure that. They are contrasting enough from each other so that you can see the information clearly. Uh, You want to ensure that if there's a a blue and a a yellow when, when tested for somebody with a Visual uh, color blindness deficiency that there's enough contrast between those mm. two colors that they can identify what is on that map right. or what's on that sign. So, to some extent, there's a lot of science that's behind it. It's not just art, it's not just design, it's not just um, putting up a sign or, or des- designing a map, mm-hmm. but it's really you have to first understand the customer, how they think, any kind of limitations that they might have to be able to travel independently. And then you have to follow um, often it's, its standards that already exist mm. that are put in place by, uh, let's say, the Canadian National Institute of the Blind to ensure that uh, the information we put out there is accessible to specific user groups.
0: Wayfinding is a beautiful paradox because what sounds so simple is actually so very complex. Finding the balance between being inclusive and sufficient without being overbearing. But what about the bigger picture? How does TransLink wayfinding hold up to some of the other systems around the world? We'll dive into that next on What's the Tea: the TransLink podcast. It's time for another TransLink Etiquette moment. Things you should and should not do while taking
1: transit. Etiquette tip number 33. Don't be a blocking bunny. Give your fellow transit riders a clear path to disembark the bus or SkyTrain. Don't block those doors or aisles. It'll just make things harder for everyone. Visit translink.ca slash etiquette for more.
0: Welcome back to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast. We're in conversation with Jada Stevens, Senior Advisor of In System Customer Experience and Wayfinding at TransLink. Obviously, I'm very biased. I'm a TransLink employee, but it feels like we do a pretty good job of making sure the system is robust, accessible, that wayfinding isn't a difficult endeavor for people. Um, But how do you think we compare with some of the other major cities across Canada? Like, have you had a chance to visit places like Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, Edmonton, maybe even have a chance to? go on other places around the world, even as a tourist, just to be like, oh, okay, so that's how the public transit system works for those that might not have ever been there before, right? Going back to the wayfinding thing.
1: No, it's true, actually. I think in Vancouver, we do it quite well. And obviously working in wayfinding, there are big ideas that we have that we want to push and, and, and get going so that we can do it better. Mm. And we're always listening to our customers and looking for those opportunities. Um, but I have traveled and I have seen other agencies that are doing it very well. Um, recently, I was in Victoria and I was very, very pleased with the bus stop wayfinding that they have mm. for any folks who've been there um recently, you'll have seen that they've implemented uh, route maps at their bus stops, which is something we haven't done here. We've had a lot of discussion about that and how do we implement it when we have 8,000 bus stops. Mm. Um, But I was very pleased with that as being a visitor to Victoria, being able to see, oh, that's where the Route 30 Mm. goes. I get it. Now I understand. And I would love for us to be able to do something like that here. Of course, there's a lot of complexities involved, but it's great to see, um, uh, you know, a, a BC agency pushing the boundaries in that respect. It's funny, you go to places like New York City and London, where, um, you know, New York City in particular, I would say they're not known necessarily for having the most innovative wayfinding, and their transit system has a lot of gaps in it, and, and we all know the stories. But it's super intuitive to tra- travel mm-hmm. by subway there. Subway maps are recognizable. Um, They use very simple kind of coding and color structure on their maps. You can really easily tell where um, a subway line is going and where they connect to other lines or other modes. So well done to New York City for doing that. They also have great signage in in their subway um, stations. London as well, Um, huge, massive network there. Um, And Vancouver, when we first developed our wayfinding standards just prior to the Olympics, we really did look at London mm. and Europe quite a bit to center um, how we provide wayfinding here. And so you'll you'll notice in London, they have a lot of, um, on on the walls, they'll have a lot of, of what we call line diagrams. People call them maps, but they're essentially um, maps that tell you what stations are ahead on the line you're mm. at and how to get to it within the station because those stations are so complex. They're right. underground. They're right. like a spider of... Of connecting, um, you know, tunnels, and for a visitor, it's very easy to get through right. it, and I absolutely love that. I I feel like every time I travel to London, I can just trust that I can get through it uh, without any. Without any stress and like really at the end of the day, that's what wayfinding is about yeah. to ensure you can trust and not have any stress.
0: I haven't done as much traveling as I would like. I haven't been to London. I have been to New York and I have mm-hmm. taken the subway and mm-hmm. I think I totally agree with what you're saying. Like it is intuitive. But the London system, you know, like they, the, the tube might be one of the most like f- you know famous transportation networks in the world. So um, if that's like the standard that we're working towards here in Metro Vancouver, you know, I think that's a great standard to follow. That word also, wayfinding standard, you mentioned that TransLink developed it shortly before the Olympics. I'm sure that was done intentionally as the world was arriving in our city, in this region, for two and a half weeks to see, you know, the greatest uh, athletes uh, compete and perform. What role did you think like the uh, the Olympics really played in making sure that uh, we tried to be as as welcoming and as uh, as supportive as possible for people of all different backgrounds and all different cultures and all different languages?
1: Well, John, I love that question because it's a really great story. And I'll go into kind of the history of wayfinding. But you did speak previously a little bit about traveling to Seoul and how you found it confusing because Mm -hmm. there's all of these kind of connected but separate modes and organizations that deliver transit there. And you're not really sure, like, are they one? Are they distinctly different? And how do I travel through it? And I think prior to the Olympics, to some extent, TransLink had that same identity crisis Mm. in that we had the C-Bus, we had the bus, we had, uh, you know, the Canada line was coming on. We had the Skytrain Expo line and Millennium line. um, And we had all of these visitors coming. And there was the question that would come up, can I take the C-Bus if Mm. I paid for the bus? Can I get on the Skytrain? How do I get around? How do I connect? Are they one transit system or are these all different and so to start, uh, TransLink really had to look at kind of their their brand. Mm. Um, you know, first of all, how do customers recognize transit in in our in our region, and then how do they recognize the modes? And they wanted customers to really understand that you could pay for, um, you know pay for the bus, and use that same fare media to then get on to the SkyTrain. And in doing so, they developed um, what we all know as what we call the T, the, mm. the blue square T as the kind of primary visual identity, which means T for transit. And that, as you now will see, ha- um, is found on all of our uh, bus stop signs at the entrances to all of our stations. You'll see it on all of our maps. It's,
0: you, you'll hear it in the name of this podcast. It, it's
1: everywhere, right? <laughs> like it's exactly like it's become, it's a big thing on its own. But once upon a time, it didn't exist. Mm. So the T became, it was kind of first, it was, it was kind of the leading, um, kind of the leading representative of what, you know, will be transit for our customers. And then from that, we then developed a full wayfinding um, visual identity. Mm. So that's where we started uh, bringing in icons that represent SkyTrain and bus and colors. And we developed maps that are kind of consistently designed and we have those same consistent um, maps on bus versus um, at bus. And um, then we started developing a wayfinding standard. Mm. So this is a 136-page book that really defines how we deliver um, a visual uh, wayfinding strategy for our customers. Uh, what that looks like, right. so that is always consistent. Um, you, you know, you don't want to have too many competing visual identities because then you have the sole example. Right. So you know, if if you recognize a bus stop sign, uh, you know, we use the same colors and and typography as uh, in the stations, and and that's very deliberate. It's very important to wayfinding um, that we present. Um, all of our modes as mm. kind of one consistent um, service for our customers.
0: I, I love hearing that. Mm. Uh, do we know what the name of the, uh, the the TransLink font is when it comes to typography? Producer Alan, would you happen to know that? Maybe Jada, you would know? It's
1: Meta. Meta O-T. Meta
0: O-T. Okay. So for those that are listening, perhaps you want to, I don't know, start <laughs> using TransLink font on your research papers. I, I Just in great case idea. you're wondering. Great yeah. idea. But I, I love that you would kind of explain the history of the blue T. You're explaining what's the T on what's the T. So I love <laughs> (laughs) um, the fact that we're doing something very meta. Meta. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's kind of brilliant. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I think you know i I love the fact that you know access transit is such a big part in communicating with the organizations and communicating directly with customers to know like how can we better serve you and how can we make sure this public transportation system in metro vancouver which we know it's a growing region each and every year more and more people are going to start moving here they already have so we need to make sure that the system is robust strong and it's nimble because i'm sure jada like technologies change new things are coming through all the time that must be exciting for you and your team because you're kind of keeping your eye out and trying to look around and seeing like what new things can we implement just to make sure that the experience of getting from point A to point B is that much easier that much smoother for again not just the seasoned transit users that have lived here all all their lives but especially for those that are just kind of doing it for the first time right.
1: Oh, that's absolutely true. And I think we're in a really exciting time right now. Uh, we're kind of exiting this this day and age of everything being analog into this world of things being digital and experiential. Yeah. And, and that's really where I'm hoping that we can get to with a lot of our customer information, um, perhaps more digital signage, um, perhaps more kind of interactivity with um, any information that you might need when you're actually within a station or at mm. a bus stop, right? So that you can call up the information that you need in the place that you're at and not just expect that perhaps there's something printed that's there, right. but something that you can more you know, call on uh, to get information that relates specifically to your journey.
0: The next time you embark on your transit journey, you may start to recognize and identify all of the ways that wayfinding works for you. Consistent signage, icons, and strategic placement of all these things, all designed to keep you moving along with as little disruption to your trip as possible. Now just remember, this under-the-radar navigation system requires teams of brilliant dedicated professionals who strive to deliver the very best transit experience for you and everyone else. Because as we know now, the commuting experience is more than just going from point A to point B. Without proper wayfinding, you might constantly find yourself at point C or point F or somehow right back at point A all over again. My point being, every successful trip is successful wayfinding. My thanks to Jada Stevens for her time and expertise on the subject. Our entire customer experience and wayfinding team at TransLink for the hard work they do behind the scenes. My thanks to producer Alan for always pointing me in the right direction. And finally, you for listening and subscribing. My name is John Jang, and until next time, have a safe trip.
1: Coast Mountain Bus Company is hiring bus drivers. As one of BC's top employers, they offer many perks, including paid training and exceptional benefits.
0: Apply by May 22nd at translink.ca slash drive.